Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I'm absolutely excited to announce that we just broke over 15,000 subscribers worldwide. That means that we are truly appreciative for each and every listener out there. We thank you for your awesome five-star reviews, for telling your friends, and sharing this beautiful podcast with the community. So today, we immerse ourselves in the wisdom of Mati Azrai, the founder of the world-renowned yoga franchise, YogaWorks. Mati is a true yoga trailblazer who has led the rapid expansion of yoga internationally through her passion for teaching the pure essence of yoga. Her students include world-renowned teachers such as Sean Korn, Krista Hill, and Vinnie Marino. Alec and I caught up to Mati in the beautiful atmosphere of Wonderlust Oahu right after an invigorating backbends class. I think meditation is very important for yoga teachers because it challenges us to go to the next step. You know, asana can only take you so far. It's only going to take you so far. Asana is a preparation for meditation. I fought it for many years. I didn't believe it. I thought asana was it. But I now know differently. It's really important to look at the nature of the mind. So tap into this interview as Mati graciously shows us her immense compassion and deep wisdom. With her words, she takes us on a journey to how yoga was first revealed to her and how she has helped to share it with millions worldwide. Be prepared to rise with your heart as Mati shares her passionate art on this invigorating episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. It brings me great honor to be sitting here in beautiful Hawaii in Oahu with Mati and with Alec, and we're here for the Yoga Revealed podcast, and it's just an absolute joy to have this trifecta of greatness together today. 
<laughs> we just got back from Monty's class at Wanderlust. It was an amazing offering. Thank you so much. We were able to drop into the, the inner form of our breath and to really tune into the layers that we kind of don't get to see day to day. So thank you for your creation, Monty. Thank you. Definitely. Um, so I'd really like to start the podcast um, with a little bit about your history. Um, for the listeners who may not know who you are, who may not know your practice or your history, I like to start in your past, where you came from and how you were brought up and when yoga was first revealed to you. I started yoga when I was 19. I'm 52. Um, I started because I was dancing, I was doing ballet, and um, it was clearly not going to be what my path, and I'd heard about yoga in the locker rooms. I used to study at UCLA, and a lot of those dancers uh, did yoga, and I went to my first yoga class. Um, Who and was I, it with? Actually, my very first yoga class was with Alan Finger. Wow. Uh, but it was really the next day I went to another yoga school because all the dancers in the uh, locker room talked about this one teacher named Chad Hammerin and he was uh, teaching at the Center for Yoga and he was an Iyengar teacher at the time he was a certified Iyengar teacher and that was it I became a student that day mm. and um, I started studying at the Center for Yoga and I studied there for a few years and uh, they coaxed me and bribed me into taking the teacher's training course. I didn't want to take it. <laughs> First it was half price, then 75%, then free, and all I had to do was um, do some work exchange, and I was like, okay. And I took the training. I then studied a lot of Iyengar yoga. So I studied with every Iyengar teacher that came to the Iyengar Institute in Los Angeles for a long, long time. And I was actually about to take the uh, teacher's training there, but uh, at the time I was running the center for yoga, and uh, Ganga White called me up, and he was my boss at the time. Ganga White was the the actual boss at the center of yoga? Absolutely. Ganga White was my boss. And um, he informed me that some Brahmin person was coming to the center for yoga and had to move out of my house. and. You know, I was living there. I was twenty. I was like you guys, young. I was twenty-two, and I couldn't move out of my house. Anyway, I guess Ganga figured out something else. But the person, the guru that came was Patabi Joyce, <laughs> and I actually had a full class for him. So even though uh, you know he had a, we had a full room, and I believe it was Tim Miller that was also part of the demonstration. Gurji always did a demonstration, and. We took the class with Gurji the next day, I believe it was, or maybe it was the same day. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. And uh, that was it. I fell in love with Ashtanga. I went to study with Patabi. Uh, Ganga had him at this, in Santa Barbara, and then he went to Tim's in Encinitas. I followed him. Um, I, I went to the second series class after a few weeks. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, that was, that, was my, that, was, that was a love at first sight kind of thing. And, um, but I continued to study Iyengar yoga all these years. So I continued to study with Iyengar teachers um, and would go home and do my Ashtanga practice. Wow. And at the time, was 
your main practice Ashtanga or Iyengar and how would you say they brought different aspects of your learning and teaching to the table? Well, I I started with I mean I started with the Iyengar system so it was in my blood. You know, it was pretty much two, two and a half years of going to Iyengar classes and Iyengar workshops. Um, so when I met Patabi Joyce, I, ca I can't explain it, but my body loved it. it. It just, it spoke to me so nicely, but I never felt like I had to divide them. You know, for me, you know, Trikonasana is Trikonasana, Virabhadrasana 1 is Virabhadrasana. And to me, Iyengar was a very good, and, and the Iyengar teachers who I studied with, they were just so good at explaining the poses. To me, it, there was no difference. It, it just, it was like, it just worked, you know, it, 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 it actually worked really well together. So in my mind's eye, there was never Ashtanga and Iyengar. I mean, there were some differences for sure, but I never had a problem kind of going, okay, this is here and this is there, and this is how I put this together into the Ashtanga so it works for me. It only helped me. It helped me be safe and it helped me be a better practitioner. And it helped me teach yoga because um, Iyengar just, he breaks the poses. He's brilliant. I mean, he's a genius. Um, and you start to see that different bodies do things differently and some bodies aren't open and they need to learn how to open and they need to learn how to do things. And that's what he did. He taught us how to teach. Our, and his teachers, I should say, taught us how to teach. You know, with 30 years of practice experience, how have you moved forward with uh, practicing with injury? Mm. And that uh, follow-up question would be, how do we sustain a yoga practice over the course of our entire lives for those that are young and carrying forward? Well, first and foremost, uh, I think it's really important for young teachers to learn how to teach the basics. I think too much today, there's too much of an emphasis on moving fast. And there's a lot of injuries that can happen to the joints when we move fast. And we take it for granted when we're young, but unfortunately, a lot of times with yoga injuries, they, they accumulate. It's like they don't happen right away like a, you know, some kind of sport accident. It, it accumulates and then it reveals itself. And unfortunately, those injuries are not so easy to, to uh, uh, heal. So I think a lot of young teachers need to, first of all, remember that they need to do their own practice and that it's important not to demonstrate because when you demonstrate, you forget. Uh, you forget you're, you're excited, you're on a high from teaching, there's all this energy in the room, and you do things that you are, you, you, you forget are, you need to warm up for them and you need to be conscious how you go into the pose, how you come out of the pose, because so many teachers get hurt teaching yoga, not, not as much in the practice. So it's really important to warm up, to learn how to teach the poses so that you don't have to demonstrate so your voice and your vocabulary and how you present the material penetrates to the students and that teachers, young teachers today take seriously that some of these poses are dangerous and they're not for everyone and to understand you know, how to protect students and how to protect your own self 
is 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 critical. It's a critical part of teaching yoga. Would you say that your knowledge of teaching yoga comes from your root and your passion for practice? Yeah, I I love yoga. I love practicing yoga. I also really love people. Mm-hmm. I really really enjoy people, and I enjoy all kinds of people. And so it's really fun. I, I tend to connect with kind of the parts of people that are sort of sad or hidden. And for me, teaching yoga is bringing that out and helping people kind of feel a little bit better and helping people see that there's another way. For me, that's, that's, that's very joyful. Or, or if I see a young student sparking them up to, you know, to really, to really be their, their shiniest, their best. That's mm-hmm. the funnest part for me. To bring that luster to their practice and really help them to go beyond their limitations. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, not, there's nothing more exciting than seeing uh, my students do better than me. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting that you say that because in interviewing Sean Korn and Krista Cahill, they had only amazing things to say about you. And <laughs> you also interviewed Jason Bowen. Uh, yeah. Stellar students. Yes, yeah, stellar students. I guess stellar students make stellar teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, yeah, I've been fortunate. I've had some very great students. Um, I've also had some challenging students, mm-hmm. and challenging students are your best teachers. They, How do you work with challenging students? Well, the first thing you do is you have to dis- you have to you have to you have to know that what's going on with them, if it's difficult, is not your fault, and it's not something that you need to take on. Mm-hmm. And then you need to um, see them for their potential. So you need to look past what is immediately there. And you have to figure out a way in. So no one student has the same way in. So with the difficult student as you might have with a difficult child, you have to find a way in. You have to find how is this person going to um, light up. And I, I really like this uh, particular thing saying that one of my meditation teachers on a retreat said, um, and it, it really stuck to me, because you know how sometimes a student can irk you in class, you think they're not listening, or whatever it is, you, you might have that feeling. And this uh, meditation teacher said, you never know their story. You know, we never know people's stories, we never know what their journey, we never really know what's going on with them. And the most important thing for us as teachers is to open our heart and open our our capacity to include more and have more different things and, and be more open to what could could happen. And at the same time, not take it personally. And at the same time, engage, engage this way. Okay, try it this way. Okay, try it this way. And never give up. Never give up. What is it that we can do to stay tethered in the practice of student? You mean in our own practice? Mm. Yes. Well, it's really important to study, but I think it's important not to just study yoga asanas. I think it's really important to study also meditation. 
um, and to for 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 the teacher to have people to go to that you f that that the student feels have something to teach you and and sometimes it needs to be outside of the yoga asana room like meditation or pranayama or studying philosophy um, because it opens your brain waves it opens you to other things and it helps you have a broader perspective of of yoga um, so and and when you're sparkled when you're excited about getting on your mat then you're excited to go teach you know you're excited to go teach and I think it's also very important for teachers today to teach out of their comfort zone and what I mean by that is to teach so if if you teach flow teach beginners teach older people teach something other than your comfort zone because at that point you're gonna have to go in and go wow okay I think chaturanga is really easy but it ain't happening in this room mm -hmm. and so what do I have to and how am I going to figure out to make yoga work for this group of people for these students I think that opens up teachers capacity to be better teachers in 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 the most incredible way and I highly recommend it hmm. for those who teach on a daily basis and are finding that sometimes they get burnt out what would be some tips to keep your yoga teaching career fresh and really bring forth new wisdom to each and every class that's a very good question I I think that there's I'm you know I'll be blunt um, I think it's difficult to teach every day it really is it's it's not easy it's 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 a tough job because you're doing a lot of the same things I think to keep it fresh it has to be not about leading people through a yoga series of poses that's an that that has the effect of working them out because that's going to get very old but rather to lead people through a yoga sequence that is designed to bring people deeper into their heart deeper into being in inside of themselves comfortable with themselves at home and this requires stepping out and learning um, learning meditation learning how the mind works learning how different students work finding out how to change the poses because when you start to look at people as spirits and as as humans who have potential of waking up and not just exercising them through a sequence of poses making sure they sweat and get their workout that's going to get very boring and it's okay to do that for a while and it's okay to do it once in a while but at some point if we're going to if you're going to teach yoga for a long time it has to become more interesting and the way it gets more interesting is to teach different people to start to see yoga as a therapy as a therapeutic application it's a discipline and an art it's not an exercise system to help the body just you know tone and shape up um, so that's to me how you get you stay interested for quite a long time 
Mm. So when you said that it's an art, how do you feel yoga has continued to evolve, as I'm sure you've seen from the days of Patabi Joyce and these master teachers, in a sense, teaching on a larger scale to nowadays, you know, wonderlusts, where, you know, you have... I would say hundreds of students packed in classes and maybe 10% of them have heard of the Yoga Sutras. Very interesting question. I knew this was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask the deep ones. Yeah. Um, Look, in the days that I started studying, there were fewer of us. We were more seekers. Uh, we were the odd ones. Uh, when I opened up Yoga Works, people still thought yoga was voodoo. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to make sure I had a designer couch so people didn't flip out. You know, I, I didn't even have any, you know, any statues in the lobby because it, it was still voodooism. It was 87. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's changed. It's gone to the masses. It's gone to the masses. Uh, and... I mean, one of the reasons why I come to the Wonderless is because I'm, I want to understand the young people today because, I mean, there's a lot of different types of things going on in the yoga world that to me are foreign. They're, they're, they're not what I was brought up with, you know, just to give you the simplest example, you know, I, I would never ever in those days walked into any Iyengar class particularly not Patabi Joyce class or anybody's class and did what I wanted Mm. there's no way and in those days I was a student I went to study I didn't go to pay and be a client and take a class so it's a different it's a different world out there and you know, on one hand, to be honest, it's exciting because a lot more people are doing yoga. But on the other hand, it's a little bit discouraging because a lot of it does from the outside look like exercise to me. You know, it does. It just looks like a lot of moving around, um, not enough mindfulness because mindfulness takes more effort. It's harder. Now, I don't know. The, the jury's not out yet. I think it's going to take a while to know. But, I mean, maybe it's bringing more people in and maybe those people will have a turnaround. I, I can't answer that yet. Um, but I, I do think that it's grown quite fast and that there's just there's a lot of hybrids of yoga. Um, and I do think that they, you know, they, they some of the masses like them but I think there's some roots in deep yoga and concentration and going slow that I think is important to keep up, to keep returning to. What are one of the first steps into creating a mindfulness practice? Where do we begin? Well, one of the things that I do think is important, and it's difficult for me to say this, is to begin teaching classes with less music or no music. Um, I think the music is distracting. I think it's fine to use it sometimes, but when your mind 
is concentrating on the music, it's moving away from what is happening inside of you. And what's happening inside of us for many, many people is difficult to look at. And it's just so easy to put the music, it's like kind of like putting your child in front of the television set. Mm. You know, if you put your kid in front of the television set, you will get a certain kind of child. But if there's no TV and they have to play with different things, I believe the jury is on that is clear. You're going to have a more creative child. It's, it's going to be a kid that's going to be much more easily entertained with things and their mind will, will become much more evolved, whereas the television dump, numbs them out. It's a little bit like that with the music. I think it's okay once in a while, but for the most part, we need to train our students to concentrate. And concentrating means that we start to look at the chatter that's in our mind that we start to pay attention that I, and that we start to look at, at how to do the poses safely to our own level because these are the things that are training us to live in the world in a way that's good to ourselves kind to ourselves and therefore hopefully um uh, kind to others mm-hmm. so this this is to me where it needs to return back to um loving kind but but mindful and taking care and that we stop seeing these yoga poses as accomplishments uh, i mean i don't i mean i went through third and fourth series with Tabby joyce and i can't tell you i'm sp- more spiritual for those poses i really can't as a matter of fact i have to say something i probably had to go back i had to go back because i used those poses to think that my if my if I didn't have a great backbend that day, I didn't think I had a good practice. Well, that's that's really uninformed thinking. It's it's not very helpful, and and it's so much more important to learn to take our care of ourselves, go at our own pace, and and do things in a way that promotes um, good happiness and not an accomplishment happiness that that we get there but it's going to go away anyway it's not going to last um so yeah these are the things that i think and it's more difficult to be that kind of teacher i was thinking about that um uh, yesterday because i was walking around the wonderless conference i walk around the wonderless conference sometimes and mm-hmm. i was thinking to myself it takes guts it takes more guts to to ask people to look inside. It takes more guts, it's more difficult. You know how you held the the opening space in the class today? I was looking around when you were talking for a moment and there were some eyes that were like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna work? And I was like, yes, this is amazing. How you held that space and you own what you're offering and you, you really allow people to look at it or reject it and that's for them you know that's what i really appreciate because at the same time you weren't like harpooning it you were putting it in front and may you flip the card yeah for us to look inside and look deeply within yeah i've also learned not to take it personally if someone uh doesn't listen again i always remind myself it's not about me you know whenever i have that feeling i just go inside and go no i i Am I coming from a good place? Yes, I'm coming from a good place. I really want you to learn. It's important to me that you learn well. 
Um, and I'll do my best. Once again, I'll try and rephrase. I'll do everything I can. But one of the things I've learned is that if somebody leaves or someone doesn't take to it, I never know what kind of seed I planted. Mm. And sometimes that seed comes back. And sometimes that seed, you know, it's just something clicks in that person. Two classes later, wow, you know what? That, that kind of felt good. Maybe I need to go back. And so um, I've, I've, I'm, I train myself and I stay within myself and, and be true to what I do, what I understand to be a really good practice and offer it with love and offer it, you know, give it away and, and then know that, you know, the seeds will fall as they need to. With that being said, could you give three words of advice to teachers who are looking to become more authentic and looking to be able to channel that same sense of divinity and just wisdom into their classes? Because I feel nowadays especially there's a lot of teachers who are teaching like, you know, the next Vinnie Marino or they're teaching like the next, you know, Brock and Krista, and they see teachers who pack their classes and they're like, oh, I'm going to use that music and I'm going to say that thing and I'm going to teach those chaturangas because I think that's what fills the class. What would be three words or three, you know, key points that could help those students and teachers be able to become more authentic in their teachings? Well, the first thing that I would ask teachers is to ask yourself why you decided to do yoga in the first place. The real, real thing that drew you into yoga. My gut intuition is that most people would say that something deep inside of them said that something was just not quite right. Something was missing or something wasn't fulfilled or they were looking for another light. They were, they were looking for an answer, something. And that most of, if we, if we really go deep inside and we ask ourselves, was it moving a lot? Was it doing Urdhva Dhanirasana? Was it putting my foot behind the head? The core of that question would say, no, you were looking for something else. And to ask yourself, how, how, do, how do other people start to find that place inside of them that is healthy, that feels like home, that's not judgmental and to ask yourself if the kind of mimicking of those kind of popular classes would it bring them there you know just ask yourself really honestly will it bring them there and also to ask yourself um is 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 this is this a path that i want to be on for the next 25 years do I see myself doing this happy 25 years from now? And if the answers are yes, then by all means, go for it. But if not, then I would say, then it's important to um, 
further your studies and study with a teacher that really understands therapeutics, how to do the poses, how to, how to work with a shoulder, how to heal a uh, lower back, how to, it's so exciting when you learn how to do these things and people come to you and you, you start to help them. I mean, that gets exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing would be to start studying meditation. I think meditation is very important for yoga teachers because it challenges us to go to the next step. You know, asana can only take you so far. It's only going to take you so far. Asana is a preparation for meditation. It's in the sutras. It's it's. It, it, I fought it for many years. I didn't believe it. I thought asana was it, mm-hmm. but I now know differently. It's it you. It's really important to look at the nature of the mind. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. It's helpful. It's a beginning to look at it in an asana. Absolutely. Asana trains. Asana is amazing. It trains us. But there's many, many layers to go. And when you start understanding that as a yoga teacher, your classes will change. And in your experience through integrated meditation into your life, what was one of the best and uh, most influential tools or techniques that you integrated that skyrocketed or set the meditation practice on an exponential path to looking further within? Um, I'm not sure I understood the question. What techniques and tools do you use Uh, in meditation that are really influential for you? Okay. Now you get a little personal. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, maybe you believe it, I am not the most confident person in the world. And being in front of a classroom is actually not natural to me. It's not super easy. And I am very tough on myself. I'm very, very, very hard on myself. Um, And meditation has really softened all that. I've, I've started to understand how my mind, I can hear, I can, sometimes when I teach, I can hear that negative voice and say, ah, and meditation's really helped me to clean the slate and to start to separate the, the chatter from what really is happening. And it's made me be able to relate to people really differently and trust myself differently so that I'm a lot more confident in delivering what I am, what I know is true, what I'm comfortable with. It's taken away that that judgment, that voice, and I think it makes things clearer. It's a, it's a, everything is a practice once you do meditation, washing your your teeth, you know, going. I mean, noticing how your mind is in lines. I'm not the most patient person in the world. So, you know, standing in line, being patient, not using my cell phone all the time. It's, it's, it's beyond. It's, it's endless. You know, having met you for the first time today, I think you come off as confident, but more so I found that you're just really relatable and you bring accessibility to your words and what you teach. Mm. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you're the cutest little bundle of awesome ever. It's oh my true. goodness. Like seriously, if you hadn't have mentioned that you're 52, I would think you're 
way younger than that. Well, that's a very nice compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very lively, and that shows your heart is so pure, mm-hmm. and I truly appreciate that. Um, I know that you've got to run, and you've got so many amazing people to help and share with, so um, I wanted to ask you this question, and it's if you could give one word of wisdom and advice to our listeners, to those who are looking to find yoga, what would you say is one revealing word of wisdom that you can share with us today? For the students or for the teachers? One for each. For the teachers, it's service. Be of service. Serve your students with pure love. And for the students, choose teachers that don't just stroke your ego, but open your brain waves, open your mind, challenge you to go that step, that extra step. Hmm. You know, the yoga has been poured into you, and you just so freely pour it into everyone that has their hearts and their eyes and their ears open. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. You can practice and study with Mati on the big island in Hawaii or check out her website, matiezrati.com. To learn about her workshops and teacher intensives she is offering throughout 2016. Andrew and myself, Alec Rubin, are so grateful to share with you Mati's keen eye for observation and the wealth of knowledge that she has steeped herself in from years of practice. We hope you get the opportunity to study with Mati as she is one of a kind. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. Be sure to log into iTunes or the podcast app and drop us with a five-star review if you appreciate what we do. Until next time, live your practice, love your life, and shine bright. Namaste. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.